Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 4, Episode 20 of Pick 6 Picks. I'm Thomas Kyle with he's Greg Kendall, and this is the weekly show that picks apart the NFL lines and helps you beat the book. Greg Kendall, Divisional Round. How you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, been better. Been better, Thomas. Uh, we both, I think, had some gambling hardships last week we we each went two and four although in different ways uh picking those wild card games um yeah there there were some pretty nasty beats on that card uh, <laughs> i don't know how much in depth we want to get into that it, but. it's true the the only one yeah. i really felt like i was from a process perspective on the wrong side of was seattle uh, who ended up getting blown out by the Niners? Um, figured just figured that would be a close, ugly game. I, I went five and one straight up. Like the teams that I thought would win, pretty much won, with the exception of Minnesota. But um, I just figured that a lot of these, a lot of these good teams, I <laughs> I got the blowout wrong, right? Like I thought Buffalo was going to yeah. be a blowout, and instead it was the Niners game. Uh, and then I thought Cincy would comfortably beat. Baltimore and instead it required a, a late defensive touchdown to uh to kind of get him over the hump there um uh the one game that we both got right was Dallas uh and a, and a more comfortable ATS win I cannot think of in in recent memory um and then I got <laughs> majorly bailed out Saturday night with Jacksonville uh plus two and a half and also money line and you correctly uh read the tea leaves on Giants Vikings um with a with a giants outright win you had them plus three so definitely uh definitely some some kind of trends here that i think that we 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 had a lot of faith in uh in the in the big favorites like cincinnati minus eight and a half buffalo minus 13 and a half um and i i think that uh i don't know if i'm gonna overcorrect this week um but i think that's just something to keep in mind uh next time we do this i think the line i used was i don't think the dogs will be barking um and they weren't from a money line perspective but they they kept these games close and i felt like a lot of it and and i know you were showing me some stats earlier i don't know if you have them in front of you now about josh allen but a lot of it just felt like favorites not playing up to their potential like uh buffalo was was out to a 17 nothing lead in that first half with seven minutes and 34 seconds to go. And like we all thought they would be because they're right. playing against a third string quarterback. Right. Yeah. And then they just kind of fell apart. And I don't know if it was hubris, arrogance, um, or, you know, actually just bad, bad decision-making, but it really felt like Buffalo kind of fell apart. They allowed, uh, thanks to turnovers, uh, a video review that didn't go their way. Um, and just again, not particularly great decision making. Buffalo allowed four scoring drives to the Dolphins in the last seven minutes and thirty four seconds of the half. Uh, they used um, the last few seconds of the of the of the second quarter to go and score a field goal, and they went into the halftime up twenty to seventeen. And then Miami played them straight up, even the rest of the second half, and Buffalo sneaked out with a three-point win. Um, my biggest takeaway from that game, and, and, and something that's going to play into my handicap this week, 
was that it felt like Buffalo was really struggling to move the chains. It felt like Josh Allen was kind of ignoring those shorter passes that, that you know, on third and eight, mm-hmm. he's not trying to get to the first down mark. He's trying to throw a 54 <clears throat> yard bomb to, um, you know, his fourth string receiver, you know, and, th- and this is the kind of decision-making that theoretically and, and technically they did. They Theoretically, you can get away with that against a bad opponent, even though it was only a three-point win. But playing an opponent like Cincinnati, I don't, I don't know if you, you, can, uh, you can do that sort of thing. Do you have any uh, post-wildcard weekend thoughts, uh, or should we, uh, we get into the picks here? I'm trying to think who else we didn't talk about. I think the the trend we need to ride is that we just didn't have enough faith in third string quarterbacks. Man, we got the <laughs> we had the the Niners blowout, Miami's averted blowout. We had, I guess, uh, Hundley is a second string quarterback, but we had you know the Ravens doing a credible job there and covering. So go backups. That's yeah, the, no, that's I I think actually you're right. That's a, that is actually the exact trend. Looking at cuz the Minnesota Giants game I think was a coin flip and I think I said as much last week, but looking at the other three big games that we got very wrong, it's you're absolutely right. We didn't have faith in the backup QBs and they came through. So that's excellent as I've come to expect analysis from Mr. Greg Kendall. <laughs> Okay, well, do you want to talk about this week's games? Yeah, let's jump into it. Fire and forget. Fire and forget. All right. Yeah, so we've got Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville who... All right. (laughs) Well, let's say Jacksonville plus eight and a half at Kansas City. Kansas City's coming off a bye. I I had a question that I was thinking of as we were getting set up here. Did uh, Trevor Lawrence grow or shrink in your esteem in that Chargers game. Can I hedge and just say he kind of stayed the same? Like, uh, <laughs> if you, huge swings, of if, you, if you go back and you look at those interceptions, I think one of them <clears throat> was on him to a point where it was a cringeworthy interception. I mean, he can't, he can't help it. If the ball bounces off two D linemen and a third one intercepts it. Like it's just that that's just kind of fluky. Uh, he can't help it when a defender commits PI on his wide receiver and nothing is called, and then the guy like shoves the receiver over and gets the pick. Like he can't control that either. So, you know, those those first two that kind of put him in that big hole. Um I I struggle and again, like then there was the fumble off the uh the fumble from the kick returner. Didn't it hit him in the helmet? Uh or maybe I'm thinking of a different game that wildcard weekend, but that was a I fumble too. I don't remember kickoff. So I mean, a lot of the mistakes I I it I find it hard to kind of lay at his feet. Um, you know, the the second two interceptions were probably more on him. Uh, definitely that third one, and then he actually in the on the game winning drive he throws um, a pass directly into the hands of an oncoming pass rusher, and that's then dropped. That would have been an awful way to end that game from his perspective. Um, so I I think I would if I if it's arrow up arrow down I think I would lean slightly towards arrow up here for me like I uh it takes incredible poise in your first ever playoff game to go interception 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 and then follow with touchdown 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 um 
So I, the first I give him, quarterback I, ever to do that, uh, right, according to some Twitter right. accounts. Yeah. So I got to give him credit for for battling back there. Um, and this is uh, this is an interesting matchup. I mean, we saw uh, we saw this matchup already once this year. Uh, listeners to last week's podcast will detect a theme. Uh, a lot of these playoff games seem to be rematches. Uh, but this is a rematch that I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing, mostly because the first one was such a compelling, uh, a compelling contest. They, the Chiefs, did end up uh, winning at home, twenty-seven seventeen to the Jags. Uh, the Jags, at that point of the season, hadn't really found themselves yet. They, they uh, with the loss, they fell to three and seven uh, and one and four on the road. So. Uh, definitely a tougher start to the season for the Jags, and they then kind of turned it on at the end. But they did finish strong in that game. They won the fourth quarter, um, and uh, I believe they covered this game. I think the line was eleven and a half, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly here. But uh, yeah, and so this is a uh, obviously a rematch back in Arrowhead. Uh, Jacksonville has made this trip before, um, and. You know, I am pretty bullish on Jacksonville covering the number here. I've I've talked before about how the Chiefs are not particularly great against the spread. They're six, ten, and one, good for fourth worst in the league ATS. And this just feels like a game in which I'm very confident the Chiefs win. We talked a similar mindset to to how I analyzed some of the games last week. The Chiefs, I'm pretty sure, are going to win. Um, I just don't think it'll be by much. I'm thinking maybe a seven point win with the Jags scoring late, kind of like they did in the first meeting, winning that fourth quarter, uh, maybe to cut it to seven points, but then they don't have enough time left on the clock to get the ball back and and launch a game tying drive. So I'm going to go with Jags plus eight and a half. I really like what Jacksonville has done, uh, in the second half of the season. And I really like what I saw in that comeback win. I thought they showed a lot of heart and a lot of moxie. Um, and uh, I think there's definitely the potential for a rust element here for the Chiefs. So that's my read. That's my pick. Where are you falling on this one? Yeah, there's always a, a rust potential there. Um, but, you know, the Chiefs, you said it, we've seen them against a lot of big numbers and they are not always up to the task. I think something that really, really stuck out to me and, you know, we touched on it briefly in the pod last week and then it just ended up being the story of the game. Uh, Doug Peterson's a really good coach <laughs> and uh, Brandon Staley is not, and they're running it back with him and that just bums me out. But a bummer. Uh, that coaching advantage in the last, you know, 35 minutes of that game became uh glaring you know it it was it was chess and checkers and i think it would be fair to say that andy reed is probably the best coach in this field (laughs) so uh I, i look forward to this matchup um i just feel like the jags have all the momentum right now that number's too big uh give me jacksonville plus eight and a half all right consensus moving on yeah i suspect we're gonna have a lot of that this week (laughs) all right well let's talk uh giants at eagles eagles are the other bi-week team and the giants are coming off a 
very impressive game, honestly. That was uh, one of the best games of Daniel Jones' career, and they are getting seven and a half on the road at Philly. Yeah, I mean, I, ideally, you'd like to see this a point lower if you're wanting to bet the favorite, like a six and a half, seven. That extra half point is kind of irritating. Um, I guess my take on this is that uh, and maybe this is me kind of learning from last week. Uh, we've we've seen these two teams um, play. This is yet another uh, divisional rivalry getting played out on the the biggest stage here, and I am just not super convinced that we're going to see a Giants team that has uh, grown enough from the first two meetings to really make a difference um you know this is uh this is an eagles team that defeated them 48 22 and 22 16 in the two meetings this year um i definitely think that that probably that blowout potential is 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 not there since it's a playoff game lower scores uh, everyone plays tighter, but I could see a, a rerun of that 22-16 type game, maybe a maybe a 28-17 or a, a 28-14. Um, so to me, I love betting this Eagles team coming off of rest. They've they've had some injuries. Lane Johnson is playing through uh, some sort of a, a pectoral injury. He's obviously an integral part of that. NFL leading offensive line group. And then Jalen Hurts himself. I mean, he came back and he participated in week 18 to, to lock up the bye and earn that extra week of rest. But he's also been dealing with a kind of a shoulder injury. Um, I I think the rest helps rather than Hurts in this situation. <laughs> Jalen Hurts, get it, get it, get it. Um, so I'm... I'm regrettably, I do. Yeah. <laughs> regrettably. So I'm leaning towards Philly minus seven and a half. Um, I I think this is a situation in which, once again, I'm going to count on a favorite here to deliver the goods um, and win by two scores. Am I crazy? Deliver the hurts. Uh, I don't think you're crazy. I think it's risky. That hook yeah. just really scares me. Um, that more recent meeting between the two teams barely counts. So I think we, you know, we got to look at the uh, the earlier meeting, which I, I believe was actually fairly close for a while before Philly pulled away. Um, the Giants could easily cover this number. Uh, I think the Philly money line is a, is a pretty safe play. I think I might tease Philly down. I've to, done uh, that within yep. a field goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, I may have already done that. I better check my ticket to make sure I don't double dip. But uh, I think. It's it can't be ignored that the Minnesota defense is really bad, and yep. you know Daniel Jones is not the most accurate quarterback. His weapons are subpar. Uh, you know his number one receiver in the Minnesota game that was his first hundred yard game of his career. He was on the well, I think it was the Buffalo practice squad. Like no beeves. Eight. Yeah, yeah, like six weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> and he's a beaver. So you know him and Brandon Cooks out here lighting the world on fire. Um. Yeah, that's a bad defense. Philly is not a bad defense. Uh I you know, by the by the transitive property, one of the biggest ass whoopings we've seen this year was uh Philly making Kirk Cousins look like a 
like a child. Yep. So, yeah, I'm just I'm concerned about Daniel Jones going against this defense. I think he turns it over a couple of times, and I uh, Philly wins. Philly probably covers, so I'm going to take the seven and a half. Uh, I'm going to lay the seven and a half. Rather. You're laying the seven and a half, but you're not happy about it, is what I'm hearing. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, tease action and uh, money line. Is, it's is it's really nice in a teaser, let me tell you. Um, I will note just before we move on here that Sexy Dexy, the uh, rookie nose tackle for the Giants, who had such a dominant performance against the third string center for Minnesota will not be going against a third string center from Minnesota this week. And, uh, and I think that um, <laughs> is going to create a lot fewer opportunities for that giants defense to really be as disruptive as they were, you know, edge rushers are, are fantastic. I, mean, I love my defensive ends, but if you have a truly dominant D tackle, just obliterating the center of your line that causes a ton of issues for QBs because they can see that, you know, but a defensive end is, is closing in on you from behind. A lot of times the QB has to feel that it's a lot harder to make those tough throws when you see a 300 pound monster, just breathing down your neck, coming straight down the, the, the gum barrel sights at you. So pushing, pushing another 300 pound monster into your calves. Right. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that, uh, I think that this could have blowout potential, but, I think it'll probably be, you know, a 10-point win for Philly. And I'm trying not to be too reactive to last week's favorites falling flat, right? It feels like uh it feels like there's still going to be some favorites that that do well and I I think Philly's probably that favorite. So, all right, we've talked enough about that game. Let's move on to the the one favorite that does well. All right. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the uh the this will friend of the podcast Ruben mentioned this I believe in in the the group chat but this might be the best Sunday doubleheader of playoff football I've seen in a while so I'll let you uh, I'll let you introduce us here. <laughs> All right, uh, well the Cincinnati Bengals plus five at the Buffalo Bills. I have five and a half, so an extra extra oh, wow. half point there. The I will All note right. for the viewers here that the line is moving in Buffalo's direction and a lot of shop money and public money is on Buffalo. So uh, for whatever reason, um, people watched that absolutely putrid performance last week against Miami and they said, yes, Buffalo's going to do up. that again against a better team. <laughs> uh, so uh, Buffalo's going to piss away a seventeen-point lead even faster. Not, not to uh, not to tip my pick here, but uh, yeah. So uh, public and the shops and the pros, public and the pros both seem to like Buffalo. Um, the question I posed to you, Greg, at some point today, I believe it was around lunchtime, was why is Buffalo the favorite? Period. I, I mean, I know they're playing at home, but in my mind. These teams are very close, and we only got to see them play for about a quarter, but nothing in that quarter of play that we did see dissuaded me from believing that Cincinnati's a better team. They were leading 7-3 to three, um, and had already proved that they could kind of pressure Buffalo. I mean, Josh, Josh Allen had taken a pretty nasty hit to like the lower leg area and was kind of limping around a little bit in this game. Um, 
I I love Cincinnati here. I've got Cincinnati uh, plus five and a half. I have Cincinnati in a teaser already. I've bet Cincinnati money line. Uh, this just feels like a great opportunity for a team that survived the toughest defense that they'll see for the rest of the playoffs, unless the Niners make it to the Super Bowl. Um, in in the Ravens. The Ravens, the Ravens are built to give them trouble, and they do every time they play. Uh, but the Bengals survived that, and they they come out, and now they get a Buffalo team that doesn't have a pass rush. I just feel like we're going to see a huge Burrow game, a huge Chase game. And on the flip side, Buffalo seems to be running out of weapons, and I don't really know uh, how we got to this point. But when Josh Brown... Uh, rookie receiver Shakia and uh, fresh off the off the couch anti-vax retiree Cole Beasley are getting like meaningful red zone targets and <laughs> and third down targets. Like, what the fuck is wrong with your team a- against again a Miami team that kind of sucks without Tua? Like, uh, it felt like Buffalo was, you know, it's like it's like watching. Um, it's like watching uh, a bad team. <laughs> this actually happened with Seahawks San Francisco after the Seahawks scored, and I messaged uh, group chat. I'm kind of con- – or I, uh, I, I texted someone. It may not have been group chat. I'm kind of concerned that Pete is having to use trick plays on his third drive of the game to move the football. Like when you are going into that deep into your bag of tricks in the first round, the wild card game against a bad team, like – it does not fill me with confidence for what's going to happen when you play a team coming off a Super Bowl run with one of the most exciting QB wide receiver combos in the league and a ton of moxie after beating a divisional rival. Like Cincinnati's quietly on like a Jacksonville level second half of the season heater here. Like why? Like this is the no brainer. Give yeah. me, give me the Bengals. What do you say? What say you, Mister Kendall? Oh, oh! I guess I do have to say something because the listeners can't just see that I've been nodding this whole time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bengals, uh, you know, we saw them look very mortal against Baltimore. But like you said, that defense is designed to stop uh, a, a team built like Cincinnati. And it wasn't enough, and now they're gone. The Buffalo defense is not nearly as trickery-based, mm-hmm. uh, so they... <clears throat> you know, I was reading a lovely piece, can't remember who wrote it, but basically that Buffalo just lines up, shows you what they're going to do, and then tries to beat you at doing that. Whereas Baltimore is out there, you know, shifting uh, tesseracts and whatnot, trying to <laughs> trying to throw you up. So, yeah, I do think Burrow has a solid game here. I'm a little bit concerned about Cincinnati's line health. I know we saw quite a bit of quite a bit of. Uh, big man on the field time in in the Baltimore game. But uh, if you're going to give me more than a field goal, I'm absolutely going to take it. Yeah, It's it's a good point mentioning the offensive line, but this is kind of what I have to say to, for that talking point. Like we saw Cincinnati go out and really try and revamp the O-line in the offseason after the Super Bowl. And what they did was they brought in offensive linemen that – are are better in pass pro than what they had before. Um, and 
it felt to me like when they brought some of those guys off the bench, some of the guys that we saw last season who were starters, first of all, they have that starter experience with the team. But secondly, I felt like the run game improved. Almost like, and this is pure speculation, mm. almost like the the linemen from last year that they brought in that helped Joe Mixon have an incredible season were back on the field and suddenly Mixon was kind of running like he used to which kind of confirms my theory that a lot of Mixon's issues this year haven't necessarily been with him, but have been with the O-line. You know, they, they removed a bunch of road graders and they put in a bunch of Prospero guys. And, oh, wow, uh, Burrow's suddenly able to go empty a ton and throw out of the shotgun, but they can't run the football. Coincidence? I think not. Um, so how, anything, how did that play in your uh, fantasy football group chat? Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that counts. I don't think that counts. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was interesting for me, and I wonder if the drop-off that maybe we'd see with a different team that suffered some offensive line injuries is actually going to be less with Cincinnati just because those bench guys do have that experience with the team and they can kind of bring an element in the run game that we just haven't really seen the Bengals be able to adopt this year anyway. So uh, it's definitely something to consider, uh, and, and people, folks may go back and forth at home on that. Um, I'm going to fall into the, the bucket of – for this matchup against a team with no pass rush and the fact that Cincinnati has those talented uh, or at least experienced backups, I think it's less of a talking point than I'm concerned with. Um, also, did you know the Bengals have All the right. number 11 DVOA defense? Fun fact. Just a fun fact. And they're going against a, a Bills yeah. team that's really been struggling. Fun fact. Eh, who knows? Who knows what will happen in this game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that might see some Cincinnati money line action from me. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, you're right. Yeah, this is an incredible Sunday slate. Dallas at San Francisco. Uh, historical rivals from these 80s and 90s uh, back when they they were the, the axis of the league. Dallas plus three and a half on the road. It's a fun one. It's a fun one. What's your snap yeah. snap take? Give me your snap take. I've been doing a lot of talking. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Uh, my snap take, it's not going to be as easy as it was against the beleaguered Tampa defense. Uh, but if we get the same Dallas that we saw last week, the same uh, decisive Dak Prescott, same mobile Dak Prescott, spreading it around to his different weapons, uh, and we can get a couple of elite pass rushers into the personal space of one Brock Purdy. Uh, I think Dallas has a good shot to win this one outright. Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, I'm on Dallas plus three and a half. I'm also on Dallas money line. So this will be my money line pick. Uh, Cincinnati, by the way, was my lock. I didn't, I don't know if I mentioned that in the last, uh, the last segment there, but I uh, love Dallas in this spot. I think, I mean, I think there's there's uh, there's an element for pretty much whatever kind of prism you want to view this game in. If you want to look at it from a narrative perspective, there's the Dallas gets revenge for last year's um, you know fiasco with the with the running out of time deal. Uh, if you want to look at it at a quarterback versus quarterback perspective, uh, Dallas has the oldest QB in the playoffs in Dak Prescott. Uh, he's, he's been in the playoffs. He's seasoned, he's battle hardened in the postseason. um, going up against Brock. Obviously there's a bit of a mismatch there. Uh, and then 
Dallas is one of the few teams left in the playoffs that can really challenge San Francisco in the weapons department. Um, you know, they've got Pollard, they've got CD, they've got Schultz. Uh, Zeke gets a ton of play, even though he's diminished at this point in his career. And then they have a pretty intriguing collection of number two receivers in uh, Noah Brown and uh, Michael Gallup, who had a huge game against Tampa Bay in the wild card round. Um, so, so I really think that Dallas can either exceed or match the Niners in a ton of these areas where San Francisco usually just kind of expects to be better than. Uh, you know, uh, they can even kind of match him in DPOY candidates with uh, with Parsons going up against Bosa. So uh, I think that San Fran's probably got the slightly better defense. Dallas has probably got the slightly better offense. Um, this should be an absolute fucking classic of a game. I'm really, really looking forward to watching it. But I think kind of the final thing that just pushes me towards Dallas is that we saw Dak run the football uh against tampa he had six rushes for 24 yards um not eye-popping yardage numbers but one of the problems with this dallas team is that they can kind of get stuck on third down um uh, the same kind of issue we saw with buffalo like when when dallas is clicking the offense is great but then there are these series where you know they go out there and they run zeke and zeke gets three yards and then they run zeke again and zeke loses a yard and it's suddenly third and eight and then Dak goes out and throws an incomplete pass. I think that with Dak running, uh, you see a higher conversion rate on those third downs. And the stats match it out throughout the year. In the games in which Dak this season had five or more carries for 21 or more yards, Dallas is 5-0 and straight up. Um, and so I really think that the, the, the kind of – the, the version of Dak that we saw against Tampa is a top 10 QB in this league. He he has that kind of ceiling when he's making all the throws, using his weapons, and uh, and giving you some light mobile QB slash dual threat ability with his feet. So, uh, and and yeah. we've seen precious little of that ever since his injury against the Giants, frankly, from a, from a couple of years ago. So it's, it was really refreshing to see him just take off and not be afraid to to dive and he wasn't sliding. I mean, he was throwing himself forward. It's playoff Dak time. Um, <laughs> my God, I enjoy, yeah. I enjoy good Dak Prescott, bad Dak Prescott, uh, leading the inter league and in interception percentage. Dak Prescott makes me angry. Uh, but my God, when Dak is somersaulting into the end zone and doing shit like that, he is fucking fun to watch. So give me Dallas money line. I just think that they have more in the tank here and, uh, some extra incentive to want to beat these Niners. Um. Yeah, that's that's kind of my take there. Is this the uh, first week in a while we haven't split a game? I guess there are fewer opportunities. Fewer fewer opportunities. I'm I'm hoping for a repeat of a couple of years ago when I went four and zero in the divisional round. Um, <clears throat> because my God, I needed after that two and four ass kicking last week. Um, <laughs> I had my biggest, my biggest ticket of the week last week was Niners money line, uh, Cincinnati money line and Buffalo minus seven in the first half and fucking mm. Josh, Josh Allen 
screwed me and out you of were that. Up seventeen nothing with with and seven minutes. I to know, go. and I'm so yeah. angry with Josh Allen. So angry. Yeah. Um. I uh, my biggest ticket of the week. As long as we're discussing uh, historical bad beats here, my biggest ticket of the week was a five leg same game parlay, which I I like to put one of those together in kind of a lottery ticket fashion and, and uh, cop that DraftKings boost. Every leg you add gives Absolutely. you another 10% boost. That's whatnot. Um, and yeah, I just threw some some basic uh, Herbert has a good game thresholds in there, you know, passing yards, a couple touchdowns, Eckler anytime. Eckler scored like on the second play of the game. So that, I was sitting pretty on that. Uh, and then I had the, the Chargers money line in there. And... I could have hedged out of that at halftime and I just didn't like, it didn't occur to me. So I'm definitely going to keep an eye on opportunities for hedging going forward. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I probably could have, I probably could have hedge covered that entire bet for about two bucks on the, on the Jacksonville money line at halftime. It it was uh, at one point it was uh, 2,800 plus 2,800 for, uh, for the yeah. Jacksonville Jacks to finish the comeback, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. three three that, bucks. That was that was an opportunity there for some coverage. Yeah. Oh. Mm. So Brandon Staley can uh, suck the sweat off of Baboon's big red ass. That's right. That's I, right. I am done with him. <laughs> All right. Well, here's to hoping that we have fewer bad beats this week. Um, you you mentioned last week that the wild card round, uh, you know, is one of the most fun things in sports. I like the divisional round the most because we're you kind of weed out those weak ass teams. You get rid of some of those divisional rematches. Every team left, with possibly the exception of the Giants, could win the Super Bowl, and I would not blink too hard. Even Jacksonville, I'm including Jacksonville in that group. I was going to say, Thomas, the biggest Jacksonville Jaguars fan you know. <laughs> uh, Give me those glitter kitties. Um, yeah, I think I think the Giants would be the one that would, would really shock me. But, like, I could see Jacksonville. Jacksonville reminds me. I mean, I mentioned this last week. Jacksonville reminds me so much of last year's Cincinnati team. So um, I'll probably be buying a Jacksonville Super Bowl futures ticket uh, in next preseason. But, uh, mm. yeah. Oh, you can. Uh, yeah. Okay. Build me, build me a fantasy ticket, right? <laughs> I want to know what I, what odds I could get on Lions Jags Super Bowl. Oh my god! Could I, could I get? That's got to be a hundred twenty thousand. That's got that's got to be a hundred to one right there. That's got to be a hundred. Oh one. yeah, it's going to need to be juicier than that. But yeah, these are <laughs> these are young things, young teams on the upswing, and uh, you never know what could happen. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Pick 6 Picks, folks. If you like what you heard, or if we make you some scratch on the action this weekend, because we sure as hell didn't last weekend, be sure to subscribe to the pod so we can keep this content train rolling. Have fun, bet dangerously, and we'll see you next week.